exhausted, barely breathing, holding on to what I believe in. November 9th, 2022. My name is Critch, and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. Little hat tip to Kanye West for speaking out against the machine. And they are coming at him, my friends, like you wouldn't believe. Shutting down his bank accounts, everything. You guys are probably following the story. It's crazy. You know, getting involved with those crazy Kardashians was the worst things, worst thing that Kanye did. Of course, they were his handlers. Any of you that are kind of in on the, look really deep into the music manipulation stuff that's going on, hip hop, these guys are just, oh, you got to feel for them. They don't have any freedom whatsoever. So when you see someone like Kanye West uh, start really speaking out against the mold. You should you should sit back and take note of what he's saying. Now, Kanye's been doing this on and off for quite a while. And uh, from what I understand, the last time when he started basically stopping his concerts and speaking out, right in the middle of his concerts, they threw him into a, uh, a mental institution and just drugged the ever-living shit out of him. And uh, one of his agents or... Um, so-called agents was uh, Kanye released some some texts from him where he was threatening to do that to him again, which is kind of shocking. So that's kind of why we opened a bit of Kanye today. The people are behind him, even if he is manipulated and they've they've taken the better part of his consciousness. I think you got to support these people when they try to speak out. Okay, my friends, where are we at? I got to apologize. I know it's been another long gap um, in between shows. I am, uh, I'm just so freaking busy right now. Um, I, I'm, the transition from fall to winter happened in two days in the sketch. So I basically was panicking and I, and you guys know I was building up. I, 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 I was, I thought I was prepared or I thought mentally I was prepared for winter to come. And I, but I was thinking we'd have another couple of weeks and that's such is not the case in this country that we live in. Sometimes you get winter completely, uh, thrown at you overnight. And that's basically what happened here. So I found that I was trying to scramble to get some things done. I had some water bowls I had to, um, work on, get fixed up. I had some wind breaks that I had to get together. Uh, any of you ranchers, farmers know, um, there's a transitional period that if you're not ready, you just panic. And, and anyway, that's kind of, I'm not making excuses. I just want you guys to know that sometimes it's just, it's hard to keep up with it all. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the podcast that pays the price. 
what's going on in the world, my friends? We've got all sorts of crazy stuff going on in Canada. We got uh, um, our deputy prime minister telling us that we need to cancel our uh, Disney subscriptions <laughs> because that 13 bucks a month is going to make a huge difference when you're dropping 100 bucks plus into your vehicle a day on fuel. That's just that's going to make a big dent in it, that 13 bucks. But this is how out of touch um, Christian Freeland is with reality. Um, we've got the Alberta uh, Appeal Court refusing an organ transplant for a woman because she won't get vaccinated. Uh, we're going to cover the digital currency because that is going to start getting closer to becoming front and center. There's uh, an agreement with uh, the Canadian government and the WEF. I think it's a $157 million agreement to start ushering in the digital ID slash currency in Canada. Um, we've got the U.S. midterm elections. Now, this probably what's going on down there I, for those of you that follow u.s politics as closely as i do i don't think this is really much of a surprise it, it might not look like the fraud is running as rampant uh for those of you that don't pay as much attention to the to u.s politics but it is it's uh there should have there should have been beyond a shadow of a doubt a massive red wave when you've got a failure of an administration uh like the biden administration is like uh on every single policy wide open borders to the south uh can't just throwing money around as as badly as trudeau uh can't even exit uh, a war-torn country properly uh getting people killed like we're talking about every mistake that possible this guy's making and then you see uh the the midterms where <clears throat> You've kind of got a neck and neck race for the House and Senate. No, I'm sorry, but the only way that they that that's even possible is with election fraud. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. But what I wanted to do first <clears throat> was actually cover this story that comes out of the counter signal, and the title reads: "Alberta Appeal Court refuses organ transplant for dying unvaccinated woman." This is by Mike Campbell, and it was written on November eighth, twenty twenty two. Alberta's Court of Appeal affirmed the decision to deny an unvaccinated woman an organ transplant, which doctors say she needs or she will die. On Tuesday, the court ruled that a doctor's medical judgment cannot violate another's charter rights. The charter does not apply to the doctor's exercise of clinical judgments in formulating preconditions to organ transplant, including requiring vaccination against COVID-19 in the wake of the pandemic, a judge said, as reported by the Calgary Herald. To get an organ transplant, doctors funded by Alberta Health Services told Sheila Lewis she must be vaccinated. The medical judgment... Oh, just lost my spot. Sorry, my friends. The medical judgment was not written as a formal policy, but was communicated to her verbally. A doctor told me, if I did not take the COVID-19 vaccine, I would not get the transplant. And if I did not get the transplant, I would die, Lewis said in July. She added... I ought to have the choice about what goes in my body and a life-saving treatment cannot be denied to me because I choose not to take an experimental treatment for a condition. Lower courts previously denied her claim. Now an Alberta Court of Appeals judge has agreed with the lower court's uh, ruling that it's legally acceptable for doctors to remove Canadians from organ transplant wait lists if they are not inoculated against COVID-19. Ms. Lewis argued that the COVID-19 vaccine policy infringed on her charter-protected rights of conscious life, liberty, and security of the person, and equality rights, stated the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms. The JCCF said in... Said the Court of Appeals judge agreed with the lower courts that the charter does not apply to hospital policies. Aside from hospital policies, the judge further determined that the ruling does not violate Lewis's rights. 
We are deeply disappointed with today's decision, says Lewis's legal counsel, uh, Ms. Allison Pajovic. Ms. Lewis has fought against this discriminatory policy, not only for herself, but for all transplant candidates who are sim uh, similarly being discriminated against. We will review the decision further and consider an appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, <clears throat> Stomping on people's charter rights for hospital policy? Is this judge fucking smoked? I, I'd like, at what point do you... Um, do, like, where can you start holding judges accountable for piss-poor decisions like this? Uh, the charter is very clear. Um, there's no, there's no mismatch, except for Section 1 of the charter, which we know that uh, the Liberals were having a heyday with. When it comes to uh, personal rights, the charter is quite clear. And, um, you know, in and, and, and some of the provinces, particularly the Scotch, um, I don't think you're going to see measures like this in the sketch because public health can or the public health agency in this province actually has vaccine exemptions. And all you really have to do is get uh, an affidavit. You can say it's uh, whatever, whatever your reasoning is for not wanting to uh, get the vaccine, any particular vaccine, you have the right in the, in the sketch uh, to do, to do that. Uh, now it's kind of weird that Alberta wouldn't have the same coverage that Saskatchewan does, but um <clears throat> For example, it's like, because I have an affidavit, I'll, I'll sh let me just pull this up and I'll read it to you guys. Because this is what I did right away, because I, I did know the uh, the 96 public health regulations in Saskatchewan. I knew that this was in there, but um, uh, this is the actual affidavit that I had done up for myself to protect myself in the province of Saskatchewan. Now it says on um, the title, Canada, uh, province of Saskatchewan, in a court of Queen's bench for Saskatchewan, Judicial Centre of Regina, um, my name, my full name, we'll just go with Critch and the, and the Sask Health Authority. Affidavit of Critch, I Critch, of the town of so-and-so in the province of Saskatchewan, make an oath and say as follows. I am a person who consciously believes that immunization or prophylaxis would be prejudicial to my health. Therefore, for conscientious reasons, I object to immunization or prophylaxis pursuant to Section 64 of the Public Health Act 1994. I am, I am a person as described in Subsection 1, so I am excused from compliance with any regulation, bylaw, or order pursuant to this Act that makes uh, immunization mandatory. And then it has my birth, and then, of course, uh, it was uh, uh, signed by myself and uh, Commissioner of Oaths. So in the sketch, that's what you needed uh, to protect yourself against this stuff. And I've noted that um, because of some of the measures that were in place in the sketch, they couldn't go as far in specific ways. Um, so they, they really had their hands tied. You know, there's, there's some stuff... Um, there's some stuff to protect everybody. So she should also be working on the, um, the, the genetic non-disclosure um, uh, agreement that Canada has. She, she, her, her loyal lawyer should be, should be looking at that as well. Um, that's an angle she could play too. So anyway, my friends, let's, um, we got a lot to cover today. Let's get this show started. We'll be right back. Welcome friends to Canadian Patriot Radio where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight.
At CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Okay, welcome back, my friends. We are going to stay on the topic of COVID um, for the first section of the show, and let's uh, let's just get right back into the topic. Uh, the next article comes to us by way of the Epoch Times. Hang on, watch your ears here. I got to adjust my mic. It's not quite where I want it to be. <clears throat> there. Hopefully, you can hear me a little bit better. And this article's title reads: Canada's health agency levied quarantine fines over sixty-one thousand a day on cross-border travelers. Um, from federal records. This was written by November 8th, 2022 by Isaac Tao. Federal records show that the Provincial Health Agency of Canada imposed quarantine fines at a rate of over 61,000 a day on cross-border travelers from January to August. The fines were disclosed in an inquiry of ministry presented in the Commons by Tory MP Eric Duncan, with most travelers being fined 5,000 bucks at a time, totaling nearly 14.9 million during the eight months. Fines totaled $14,886,750 over the 243-day period, the equivalent of $61,262 a day, according to Blacklock's reporter, which obtained the records. A total of 3,614 tickets were issued against travelers who breached the federal quarantine rules, with most at land borders from January 1st to August 31st. Of the tickets issued, the largest portion came from those who were entering Canada without proof of a negative COVID-19 test, 45%. The refusal to answer relevant questions asked by an agency officer constituted 36%, while those who refused to complete a second test on arrival made up 6%. 3% were travelers who tried to enter the country with fake or invalid test results. The fines averaging about $1.38 million for, uh, a month for the first half of the year surged to over $2.6 million in July, following, followed by another spike of nearly $4 million in August. According to the records, the, amount, the amounts excluded provincial taxes and surcharges. While the Public Health Agency works closely with law enforcement and receives data on most enforcement activities taken under the Quarantine Act, Police services are not required to send enforcement information to the agency, Cabinet wrote in the Inquiry of Ministry. In responses to Duncan's request, as such, there may be enforcement activities not reflected in the agency data. Missing or unable to match. The Office of the Auditor General of Canada reported last December that the PHAC spent $614 million between March 2020 and August 2021 to administer border measures which uh, but with incomplete data. We found the agency was missing or unable to match 30% of COVID-19 test results to incoming travelers from February to June uh, from February to June of 2021. The auditors wrote in Report 15, Enforcement of Quarantine and COVID-19 Testing Orders, Public Health Agency of Canada. In addition, the agency was not set up uh, did not set up an automated system to track whether travelers who were ordered to quarantine and uh, at authorized hotels did so. The agency had records to verify hostel, hotel stays for 25% of incoming air travelers. 
A breakdown of the $614 million spent includes $65 million for 14-day uh, quarantine orders, $342 million for COVID-19 testing orders, $7 million to operate government-authorized hotels, and $200 million to house incoming travelers at designated quarantine facilities, the report said. Um, I guess it's kind of shocking um, that they were handing out $61,000 a day in fines. Um, and then what they spent on it um, is is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I just kind of, I kind of wanted to, to bring that one to you just so you guys understand the amount of money that is exchanging hands with this whole, this whole hoax of a pandemic that we just went through. Um, it was just nothing but money, hand over fist money, uh, being thrown at every, every angle of this pandemic. It's, it's crazy. Not to mention the fines that were being levied against people, uh, that had the right to come back into their own country unsolicited. It's crazy. <clears throat> All right. Now we're going to stay on COVID, but we're going to move over to the UK. Uh, this next article comes to us by way of the expose, and it was written today, November 10th, 2022. And the title reads, COVID vaccines have killed over 34,000 34, people in England since May of 2022, and the country has suffered nearly 300,000 K deaths during the same period. Uh, this article has one of those read-along things, so let's let it read, uh, read to us this time, and we will comment like we always do after. COVID vaccine has killed over 34k people in England since May 2022. The country has suffered nearly 300k deaths during the same period. The Office for National Statistics has revealed that England and Wales suffered another record-breaking week of deaths in the week ending 21st of October 2022, with an extra 1,714 people dying compared to the five-year average. Excluding the weeks affected by the Jubilee Bank holiday in early June, and the late Queen's funeral in September, this means England and Wales have now recorded significant numbers of excess deaths every week for the past 27 weeks, bringing the grand total to 34,237 since the week ending 24 April. With further ONS figures proving 94% of all COVID-19 deaths since April have been among the triple-slash-quadruple vaccinated and also proving mortality rates per 100,000 are highest among the vaccinated population in all age groups, this strongly suggests that the COVID-19 vaccines are to blame for why so many people are dying. The Office for National Statistics, ONS, publishes weekly figures on deaths registered in England and Wales. The most recent data shows deaths up to 21 October 2022. In the week ending 21 October, there were 11,938 deaths in England and Wales, equating to 1,714 excess deaths against the five-year average. The increase during this week cannot be blamed on COVID-19 because just 687 deaths were attributed to the alleged disease. This equates to just 6% of all deaths. Source the following chart shows the overall number of deaths between week 16 and week 42 of 2022 versus the 2015 to 2019 five-year average number of deaths, and the overall number of excess deaths in 2022. The figures have been extracted from the ONS dataset which can be downloaded here. Sadly, over 34,000 more people have died than expected. 
the UK government and its institutions have not bothered to investigate or provide any clarity or official reasons as to why so many people are now dying. However, if they were to bother to open an investigation, one of the things they should look into is the COVID-19 vaccine. That's because the vaccines are experimental with a very limited amount of safety data and over 44 million people in England alone have had at least one dose. This suggests a common denominator that could be causing a surge in deaths. Unfortunately, further data provided by the ONS does strongly suggest that the COVID-19 vaccines could be a contributing factor. A report that was quietly published by the UK government, just hours before Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced his resignation, revealed that COVID-19 deaths rose dramatically among the triple-vaccinated population in England from April 2022, whilst declining drastically among the unvaccinated population. The most recent figures reveal the vaccinated population in England accounted for a shocking 94% of all COVID-19 deaths in April and May, and 90% of those deaths were among the triple-slash-quadruple-vaccinated population. According to Table 1 of the latest dataset published by the ONS titled Deaths by Vaccination Status, England, the 1st of January 2021 to the 31st of May 2022, which can be accessed on the ONS site here, and downloaded here, there were 4,935 COVID-19 deaths between the 1st April and 31st of May 2022, shockingly, the vaccinated population accounted for 4,647 of these COVID-19 deaths. But what's even more shocking is the number of deaths among the triple vaccinated population, 4,215. The quietly published figures reveal that the vaccinated population as a whole accounted for a shocking 94% of all COVID-19 deaths in April and May 2022, with the unvaccinated accounting for just 6% of all COVID-19 deaths. But the most horrific statistic here is that 90% of the deaths among the vaccinated were among people who had been given at least three doses of a COVID-19 injection. But only 13,278 of all deaths since April have been attributed to COVID-19, and this is 45% of all excess deaths and just 5% of all deaths during this time frame. So the fact so many vaccinated people are dying of COVID-19 doesn't explain why there have been nearly 30,000 excess deaths since the end of April. Unfortunately, further figures provided by the ONS on non-COVID-19 deaths do. The following chart shows the monthly age standardized mortality rates by vaccination status among each age group for non-COVID-19 deaths in England between January and May 2022, using the figures contained in Table 2 of the recently published dataset collated by the UK Government Agency, the Office for National Statistics, click to expand. Source the above figures reveal that for months on end, mortality rates per 100,000 have been the lowest among the unvaccinated in every single age group. A more detailed analysis of the figures broken down by age group can be read here. These are age-standardized figures, there is no other conclusion that can be found for the fact mortality rates per 100,000 are the lowest among the unvaccinated other than that the COVID-19 injections are killing people. This is indisputable evidence that the COVID-19 vaccines are deadly and are most likely killing people in the thousands. Couple that with the excessive amount of COVID-19 deaths since April among the triple jab, 
and it strongly suggests that COVID-19 vaccination is to blame for over 34,000 excess deaths across England and Wales since the end of April 2022. So there's some uh, shocking numbers out of England uh, that uh, <clears throat> are suggesting what we all already know. I wouldn't even say suggesting, are proving what we all already know that the shots are, are killing people. Like it's, it's, it's right out in the open now. Like there's people falling over dead. Let's, let's just use the emergencies commission today. You had a lawyer for the, uh, for the uh, commission trying to take a drink of water and falls over. We don't even, I don't even, not even sure the status of him right now. Actually, let me just do this in real time. Let's take a look and see how this guy's doing. Okay. I found an article by the CBC. Lawyer collapses during Emergencies Act inquiry, delaying proceedings. Gabriel Poliquin's condition is unclear. This is by David Frazier and Laura Osman. Uh, obviously posted today, November 9th, 2022. Proceedings were paused at a public inquiry looking into the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act on Wednesday afternoon after a medical incident. A lawyer representing the Public Health Emergency Commission collapsed while he was questioning Ontario's Deputy Solicitor General the second witness of the day. <clears throat> emergency, emergency responders were called to the Library and Archives Canada building in downtown Ottawa and proceedings were stopped. Lawyers and spectators were cleared from the hearing room. Gabriel Poliquin was in the early stages of, an, of examining Mario D. Tomasio, Tomaso when he collapsed to the floor. His condition is unclear. Poliquin is a part of a team of lawyers working for the commission, which is tasked to in, which which is tasked with investigating the circumstances surrounding the Liberal government's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian histories on February 14th. The commission, which switches witnesses when the uh, proceedings resume, Ian. Um, the Commission will switch witnesses when proceedings resume. Ian Freeman of the Ontario Ministry of Transportation will testify with De Tomaso resuming his testimony tomorrow. Public hearings which begin, began October 13th and are set to continue until November 25th have focused on this week on testimony on border blockades in Windsor, Ontario and Coots, Alberta. Earlier Wednesday, the Mayor of Coots said RCMP appeared to be caught off guard by protest blockades of the U.S.-Canada border crossing last winter, even though he had warned provincial government it could happen. Well, who, nobody gives a rip about what the CBC thinks about what, what could and couldn't happen. We want to know more about the lawyer that fell over and then smacked himself on the ground and let out the, one of the most hideous sounds I've heard in a long time. Um, so... How many times have you guys already seen this? Those of you that are watching all the videos that are like recording all of this, where people are just like, like, let's just use this for example. The guy was, he literally asked the witness a question and he was unscrewing the top of a water bottle and you can just see him all of a sudden slump over and that's it. He's, he goes down and then he lets out this horrific moan for God knows how long. It seemed like an eternity the first time I watched it, <clears throat> but, um, this is just another like more more heart troubles like uh, if you really want my honest opinion about these shots is i'm th i'm thinking a very big percentage of especially males uh are are going are getting myocarditis or or heart damage undiagnosed and they're going for un unknown amounts of time after this this heart damage has occurred until one day they're in front of uh the canadian public interviewing a witness at the emergencies commission and boom 
Now we've we've gone through on this show, um, you know, morticians telling you that the the blood that's coming out of these injected people is is just they call it dirty, like it looks like it's got coffee grounds in it. Well, if this guy survived, which the CBC didn't even bother to tell us if he survived, is he alive or dead? They wanted to focus on the the border. Um, what are the chances that it, you know that was a stroke or a heart attack from the fact that if he's vaccinated? He's got uh, blood that looks like it's got coffee grounds in it. Or he suffered from heart damage and one of, it, one of the muscles or valves in his heart decided that this is a good time to, uh, to just stop, stop working. I don't know. It's, uh, it's the frequency of, of this is happening. It's going to be happening more and more and more. It's going to get to the point where if you really want my, uh, my uh, thoughts is they're going to start stopping people from filming in... Uh, in public situations because this is going to become very 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 common when you think about the numbers of, of vaccinated like 95% of Canadians have taken this poison so this is something we're going to have to get used to I wouldn't say necessarily say desensitize desensitize to but we're going to end up having to get used to seeing people fall over dead in random situations and it's not this is not normal there's nothing normal about uh, grown adults just falling over dead. Healthy people, otherwise healthy people that all live, you know, relatively active life uh, lives. This guy's in pretty good shape. Like, there's a picture of him on this article, and he'd be—I would guess—he'd be mid forties, um, mid to late forties, and he's in decent shape. For those of you that watch the video, like, he's not overweight, or there's no there's no obvious reasons for him to keel over like that. Uh, during a no-stress situation uh, where he's actually just starting to open his questioning uh, with a, uh, a witness. It's, it's definitely oh, alarming to see this happening so much already. Already. Okay, where do we want to go next, my friends? <clears throat> let's, uh, let's switch gears and let's get into... Um, the digital currency that these uh, yin-yangs are trying to uh, push on us here in Canada. Okay, this article also comes to us by way of the counter-signal, and the title reads, Exposed, $105 million liberal partnership with WEF laid bare. This is by Rachel Emanuel, and it was written a while ago. It was written on October 5th, 2022. <clears throat> the Trudeau Liberals have a $105 million contract to develop a known traveler digital ID system. Well, digital ID system, known traveler, this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. Hang with me here, friends. I'm doing this in real time tonight. Okay, this, this is kind of more along the lines of what I was looking for. We've kind of covered the, the traveler, the known traveler ID system, and we have covered this before too, but... <clears throat> um, <clears throat> It's kind of it just kind of covers the um, how how vast this is. I think what people aren't grasping is how how much control this is going to have um, over every aspect of our lives. Um, Canada to launch federal digital ID program with help from WEF. Government officials said the program is the electronic equivalent of a rec uh, recognized proof of identity document, such as a driver's license or passport, which confirms that you are who you say you are in a digital context. The Canadian government, building on a partnership with the World Economic Forum, is developing a new federal digital ID program. 
The aim of the new initiative is to develop a digital proof of identity document which could be used across different systems and environments ranging from government services to airports and border control. Officials <clears throat> reveal details of the program in the government's sprawling Canada Digital Ambition 2022 report published October, August 4th. According to the report, the Digital Identity Program is part of Priority 2.2 of Canada's Digital Ambition, which seeks to build and use common solutions for digital, digital service delivery. Our next step in enabling digital government is adopting a government a government as a platform service delivery model, the report states. The federal digital ID program is the next step in making service more convenient to access. Officials said the program is the electronic equivalent of recognized proof of identity document, such as a driver's license or passport, which confirms that you are who you say you are in digital context. According to the report, the COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the need for government services to be accountable, uh, accessible and flexible in the digital age. However, Canada's partnership with the WF began prior to the pandemic under Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. A member of the WEF's Young Global Leader Program, Canada has since 2018 participated in the Known Traveler Digital ID, KTDI program, the WF, the WF's pilot program to develop a digital ID. The WEF described KTDI as the first global collaboration of its kind that brings together a global consortium of individuals, governments, authorities, and travel industry to enhance security in world travel. Canadian government officials in 2018 stated the aim of the KTDI initiative was to test emergency, emerging digital technologies and how they can improve security and the seamless flow of legitimate air travelers in light of an expected increase in air travelers globally from 1.2 to 1.8 billion by 2030. 2030 is the target year of the United Nations Agenda 2030 and, it is, and its Sustainable Development Goals or SDIs. SDGs, sorry. The WEF characterized the KTDI program as the disrupt, uh, disruptive innovation the global travel security ecosystem needs. Well, you're right, because the Canada Border Services Agency isn't doing a good enough job by feeling us all up and putting us into burst radiation chambers to make sure we aren't packing uh, nitroglycerin in our socks. Like, give me a fucking break. This is so stupid. Their, their justification for it, the, the, they're saying that the global tra travel is going to go up from 1.2 billion to 1.6 billion by 2030. So 600 million more people are going to be traveling via airplanes. And that's why you have to bring about a, an, a digital ID that can be linked to your behavior online. That uh, if you buy too much, uh, if you buy too much meat, your your license can be revoked like that's this is the excuses they're giving you like it's a travel it's it's strictly for travel like fuck we were born at night but it wasn't last night these people these, it's it's amazing that the the people that they have pushing this through like that's the worst part about this whole thing and i think that's intentional like they put idiots in place idiots like trudeau and biden and now fetterman are you guys aware that john fetterman beat uh dr oz in pennsylvania for, for, I believe, the Senate. A guy that is, like, chemically-induced retarded. He's got chemically-induced retardation. Like, the guy can't even spit out two sentences. Like, this guy is is legitimately uh, self... He's, he's, he's legitimately got self-induced retardation. We have our first handicapped senator. 
just got I I I I hesitate to say elected because I I'm pretty sure the whole Pennsylvania election was a fraud because there's just no way there's no way the people of Pennsylvania would vote for a guy that can't even spit out two coherent sentences in a row. The guy is a walking Neanderthal. But I think the whole, what I'm getting at is the whole reason they do that, they have these morons making you submit to stuff like this is to demoralize you. It's, it's all to make you just say, throw your hands up in the air and say, fuck it then. I'm going to, I'm just going to go along with it. And that's why they've got morons like Christian Freeland and Justin Trudeau and uh, smirk guy Mark, Mark Medicino uh, doing, pushing this crap on us every single day. Whether it's gun laws that they admit is strictly for law-abiding gun owners or it's uh, pushing a digital, uh, digital ID on you that will be linked to your behavior in every single which way. Like imagine now your social insurance number will fall under this digital blanket and um, your social insurance number can be flagged. So you're unemployed, you need a job, so you're going to go, uh, you're going to go um, <clears throat> apply for a job, say in, a, in an industry that you don't normally do. And, and this industry, let's say, has a lot of people that are, um, um, let's say liberals, they, we'll use the liberals, the left-right paradigm is kind of stupid, but we'll, we'll just use that for example, let's say you're getting into uh, some sort of arts. And, and you are a conservative leaning person, um, this all, this all will show up in your digital ID. And, uh, I was listening to, uh, some very, very intelligent people talking about the process that happened during the election yesterday. Um, and what they were, what they were saying was that to even get their, their, um, their voting cards, they had to give them their license the license was scanned along with their voting card into a, a machine prior to them even voting and then once they came back their ballots or their their voting cards uh were then scanned again so so in the u.s currently they know exactly who you are and how you voted so what i was getting at with your social insurance will now be a digital form how long till you think that ha starts happening all over in canada Okay, you started. You're voting. You're voting independent, or you're voting away from our two two party system. Well, I, we don't think that you're uh, suitable for this job. Is kind of what I'm getting at. The level of control that is coming down the pike with a digital ID program. I think most people are completely unaware of how controlled. Uh, think of China's social credit system. That's what we're looking at. Okay, let's carry on with this, actually. <clears throat> um, according to the WT WEF, the KTDI pilots offers, offers greater control over personal information, putting passengers in charge of when and how data is shared through a traveler-managed digital ID. Claims the individual have greater control over personal information and a are a common theme in such digital identity initiatives, including digital vaccine passports. The WEF in a 2019 press release explained that explained how the KTDI is linked to more broadly uh, more broadly to government issued identification documents of all stripes, stating that the known traveler digital ID is based on an, an interoperable digital identity linked directly to government issued identity documents through the use of crypt cryptography 
uh, distributed ledger technology and biometrics. The system ensures uh, portability and safeguards um, the privacy of the personal personal data. While while the digital ledger provides an accurate tamper-proof record of each traveler's identity data and authorized transactions, the press release stated. Blockchain technology figures uh, prominently in KTDI, which is the primary function described as being to cryptographically issue, revoke, and verify credential uh, identifiers without the need of a centralized intermediary, like a certification authority. Using identity data that is usually stored on a chip on a passenger's passport, the digital app would be securely stored and encrypted on a mobile device and is checked by authorities using biometrics without the need for a physical passport. Um, The WEF press release and other documents don't explain why the use of physical passports is now apparently burdensome and don't specify the identity data that would be digitally stored and if it would include uh, vaccine credentials. In effect, an extension of vaccine passports. Oh, yes, it will. Yes, it will. If you didn't take the uh, second stage of the bioweapon, if you didn't sign up to get pumped full of poison, you no longer will be traveling, you will no longer get a driver's license, you will no longer be allowed to hunt. Everything that the government has overreach has already uh, got their hands into our pockets, they can refuse you to do, including commerce, all commerce. This is this is the biggest threat to our freedom right now. Is this, and it's not just happening here. Let's uh, let's broaden our let's. We've been talking about the UK today, so let's let's broaden our uh, our talks about this, and let's go over to the UK. Uh, this is another article that was written on. November 8th, 2022, and the title reads, UK government nudge limit is working with banks to implement social credit system disguised as carbon guilt trip trackers. It uh, doesn't tell me who wrote it, uh, but it comes to us by way of the expose. It is another one of those read-along things, so let's let it read to us, and then we will talk about all of this after this one. UK Governor Nudge Unit is working with banks to implement social credit system disguised as carbon guilt trip tracker. Imagine you just filled up at the petrol station and you get a message on your phone saying, did you know this purchase is equivalent to over 200 kilograms of carbon? If you used public transport more, you'd save over half. This is a service that Kogo, a carbon impact platform is providing for mobile banking apps, such as NatWest with the aim to inform and change behaviours. And they are working in partnership with notorious communist professor Susan Mitchie's behavioural insight team, which was responsible for the propaganda and lies published and spouted on a daily basis during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to manipulate you into giving up your freedoms and rights without a fight. By Seek for Truth, Editor of Truth Talk Kogo is a carbon footprint management product that helps individuals and businesses to measure, reduce and offset their impact on the climate. It has a powerful algorithm that can calculate the carbon emissions of all transactions on an account. Koga's mission statement is to support hundreds of millions of individuals and businesses across the world to be more conscious of the impact of their spending on people and the planet. Through their banking app products, 
businesses and consumers can track their individual carbon emissions. Koga has partnered with leading banks to transition their customers into a low-carbon economy including, NatWest, RBS, Coots, Westpac, Commonwealth Bank, ING, Ulster Bank, TSB, Mastercard, Satanda, The Cumberland, Kiwi Bank and OTP Bank. Carbon footprint trackers are being embedded into these banking apps. For example, NatWest analyzes your monthly transactions and matches them to their industry categories, grocery, energy, transportation. Carbon footprints are then calculated by multiplying transaction amounts by emissions factors. So, if you spend £15 on a dress at an average high street retailer, that's 16 kilograms CO2. The same £15 spent on a dress from a charity shop could have a lower footprint of around 4 kilograms CO2. Now the UK's Behavioural Insights team, also known as the Nudge Unit, which was prolific during the COVID pandemic by their application of psychological and behavioural programming warfare on the people of the UK, has partnered with Kogo to explore how banks should approach their customers to be green. According to the Nudge Unit, banks should use their wealth of data to provide carbon feedback on transactions and introduce social credit-style rewards and incentives to encourage sustainable behaviours. The goal is to nudge you towards a net-zero future by using carbon impact prompts within app transactions to reflect the emissions generated by your transaction. These messages would be delivered at just the right moment, i.e., at the point of purchase. These alerts are called carbon feedback. This is about transitioning to a low-carbon economy where you own less, reuse more and eat insects. The idea is that you would be incentivized to do the right thing to save the planet. For example, the Buy team have suggested an exclusive bank card, the bank offers you a special green bank card if the carbon footprint of your transactions is below a certain threshold. This card would entitle you to perks and exclusive discounts in selected stores. The classic carrot and the stick. You may also receive alerts to encourage you to consider purchasing second-hand products or repairing your products. These alerts may offer guarantees to get your money back for faulty goods. This is about the push towards a circular economy where you will own nothing and be happy. The Buy team said that banks have a license to operate when it comes to introducing carbon feedback on transactions. And to seize this opportunity the Nudge Unit recommends that banks should nudge customers to take the sustainable actions that people are most willing to take. Another company called Ecolytic is also pushing ahead with carbon tracking. Banks like Rabobank and Tatra Banker have partnered with Ecolytic to integrate carbon tracking into their apps, while Tatra Banker has introduced a scheme that rewards sustainable purchasing. With rewards and possible penalties, ESG's carbon reduction is about changing our buying and traveling habits by changing our behaviors. Each country has a carbon quota, and it won't be long before everyone receives their own personalized carbon quota. Many platforms, not just financial institutions, are implementing carbon footprint trackers. Earlier this year in Davos at the World Economic Forum, Michael Evans, president of Alibaba Group, said, we're developing, through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint, that's where they're traveling, how they are traveling, what are they eating, what are they consuming on the platform J. Michael Evans, president of Alibaba Group, WEF 2022. Let us not forget the World Economic Forum published an article in September titled My Carbon, 
an approach for inclusive and sustainable cities where they said that COVID-19 was a test of social responsibility and that we need to monitor our own carbon levels. Even Norwegian supermarket chain eGrocer Order is now providing climate receipts to its customers to encourage them to buy the right things. Also in a French article titled Private Jets, Transport, Heating, Food. What if we set up a carbon card? They gave the following example, take a private jet to go to and die, plan a trip to New York, fill up your car at the service station or buy a beef steak at the supermarket. What if tomorrow, each of these CO2-consuming actions were limited by the allocation, for each citizen, of a certain carbon quota to be used? If banks are gearing up for this now, what will it be like when trackable and programmable central bank digital currencies are introduced? Simple, if you've used up your carbon quota, you can't buy that product. CBDCs will give the elites control over what you can own and what you can't. Meanwhile the Dutch are already talking about changing their laws to monitor all transactions over 100 euros, possibly to police for net zero compliance. And just last month we had the former deputy governor of the People's Bank of China touting a communist China-like approach to CBDCs. He said, by programming CBDC, money can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and what kind of use this money can be utilized, Bo Li, IMF. October 2022 also, there is a new scheme for residents of Warwickshire in England. As a result, they can earn rewards and win prizes for tracking their active and sustainable travel throughout the district. Our society is slowly sleepwalking towards personal carbon allowances and mass social nudging, most likely linked to a CPDC. In other words, to decarbonize the West, we're moving towards a net-zero social credit system, based on sustainable behaviors. In the end, they don't want you to leave your house, and they don't want you to travel, because you are the carbon footprint they want to eliminate. So they're going to do it through an environmental angle. Um, carbon footprints. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do for those of us that um, produce our own beef, for example, or grow our own gardens or or any of that. Um, the one thing I don't like about this is commerce. They, If they successfully get rid of a paper money we are going to have to come up with something or use something um, to exclude the man which if you want my honest to god opinion will be silver um, i really think when it comes to commerce between people um say you have a, a vehicle that i want or let's let's just use something smaller for example let's say you have a PlayStation 5 and I want it. It's used um, and you're going to sell it to me for five, six hundred bucks. Well, what would be the silver equivalent so we could cut the man completely out of this exchange, right? Um, I think what's going to happen, because I just, I honestly, friends, I don't know how, um, you know, the entire globalist network, the entire system is behind this push. So I think we're what, I think to be realistic we have to start planning how we're going to uh, commence in commerce with each other. Uh, as you guys have heard me say in the past, there's going to be a lot of trade and barter when this happens. And uh, I think we need to have our own currency uh, out to cut the man out. Uh, let's say, let's just say it's something simple, like you are older and you don't like, um, you don't like shoveling snow off your driveway and, and you need someone to do it. Well, I'll do that for silver and for a certain amount, set amount of silver per hour, right? Um, 
that's the kind that's kind of what I'm getting at. We need to start thinking this way right now because this is this is coming by 2030. Like the all the agendas point to 2030. So it is 2022, my friends. We're going into 2023. We've got 7 years before this is going to if you really want my opinion, I think they're going to get this through. So we have to really start thinking about how we are going to trade and barter and ha- and continue commerce cutting these these freaking psychopathic sociopath globalists out of our daily transactions. I think you're going to just basically have to live two lives. You're going to you're going to have to have on all social medias, you're going to have to now go under uh, uh, false names and false profiles uh, if you're going to be speaking out, um, probably off of um, a computer or a phone that you paid for with cash um, and that can't be traced to you. Um, facial recognition, all that stuff. Like you're going to have to cover up your cameras, uh, microphones. You're going to have to have these phones powered off, preferably phones that you could pull the batteries out of. Um, if you're going to be doing all that stuff, but it's, it's going to be like the amount of control that we are going into my friends is staggering, staggering. And I don't know how we're going to stop it. We can't even stop election fraud in the, in, in any of the countries for that matter. Now let's get into that because I've been watching that quite closely. Arizona's election results. This is what we're really watching. Everybody knows that Carrie Lake is pretty much your premier, premier anti-establishment um, uh, candidate for governor in Arizona. Well, it's what it's a full 24 hours since they started voting. And it's telling me right here, this, this is updated every five minutes. The 2022 election results. Well, it's a full 24 hours after voting day. And in Arizona, they only have 67% of the precincts reported. And they are claiming that Katie Hobbs is ahead of uh, Carrie Lake by 911,844 votes and Carrie Lake has 908,157. Now, <clears throat> let's just do a little bit of a compare and contrast here. Um, America's Got Talent has the ability to tabulate millions, uh, upwards of 50 million votes in one commercial slot. We're talking about a two to three minute period uh, for their, for their um, contestants on their show. Two to three minutes. They can tabulate votes coming in online, over the phone, everything. In two to three minutes, they can do up to 50 million votes. How in the fuck does it take over 24 hours after a a supposed professional election, something that's been happening in the state since, what, 1776, and they have only got 67% of the precincts uh, tabulated in Arizona, and they can't even tell you who their fucking governor is. And people are saying that there's no fraud. This right here is a perfect example of fraud. This is the exact same crap we've seen in 2020, my friends. The exact same crap. Let's use uh, uh, what's uh, New York. You've got um, what's his name, Schumer. In his precinct in New York, everything went GOP except for his Senate seat. How is that even possible, my friends? The only way that's possible is through fraud. Let's go back to Arizona. It's looking, nope. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden the uh, the house, they're losing in the house in Arizona. Like the whole fucking state was behind Carrie Lake. And now they've got uh, Jevin Hodge ahead at 50.87% 
and David Schweikert's now trailing him at 49.13. Oh, man. You know... It, 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 there's no way that it wasn't a red wave after everything that uh, the Biden administration has done. There's no way. You are watching another example of rampant election fraud, except for in the states that took measures and made sure that their elections were secure. Like Florida, for example. And South Dakota. It's just... I don't know how, how many times people have to see this. Like, it, it, it has to wake up the other side. So what you have going on right now is you have a mass exodus of Democrat voters switching to Republican and voting Republican for the first time, all the way down through the whole down ballot, everything. And they're, now they're saying that, well, what the fuck is going on? Because I, me and all my friends and everybody I know switch from Democrat to Republican, and we still have um, Democrats winning in our state. So we're talking about people that talk to all their neighbors and everything, and everybody switched. It's now clearly evident. You've got another election, a midterm election, where fraud is rampant. And a perfect example, what I'm getting at is the, the most obvious example, is the fact that you've got um, poll tabulators that can't even, can't even count. And we're not even at a million when it comes to, like, let's go back to Kerry Lake. Neither of them. We're talking about two million votes. Back to ATF. Or uh, Amer America's Got Talent. 50 million votes in two to three fucking minutes. It's right here out in the open. You've got election fraud running rampant again. And nobody's doing anything because, well, they're going to give you a carrot. Just just like with the, the digital ID. They're giving them a carrot. Yes, yes, they'll probably get the House. Will they have a, a majority enough to impeach Biden? Probably not. Because a lot of these people were probably placed. I don't know. It sickens me. <clears throat> it absolutely sickens me. The fact that you're getting another example of fraud in the U.S. and just there's never going to be another free and fair election in the U.S. unless every single state does what Florida and, and the, the states that have actually protected their elections. You're never going to have another one. And you're getting another perfect example. At least this time, though, Democrats that have finally walked away, Democrat voters that have finally walked away from the Democratic Party are realizing how rigged the system is. It's the same thing here with Trudeau with his minority and Dominion voting being in, in the greater Toronto area. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable that um, you've got, you had specific sections of the GTA that went, that went liberal, that were surrounded by conservative, conservative um, counties. But the biggest counties, right smack in the middle of the GTA, a couple of them, went, went liberal. Well, I, I find that hard to believe. When they're completely surrounded by, by conservative counties, I just I, I don't I don't think that computes to me personally, or or you know a, a whole down ballot going to the uh, GOP and then you've got fucking Chuck Schumer getting his seat, re-winning his seat. Nope, nope. I'm sorry, that just doesn't happen, my friends. I'm sure we'll be talking about this a little bit more in, in future shows, but I just wanted to just point out the fact that if you, if you think that this midterm elections was free and fair, then you are not paying attention to what's actually going on. It should have been a complete red wave. And I'm not saying that because I'm bitter or I, I wanted the GOP to win. You guys know my thoughts on the left-right paradigm. <clears throat> but the fact that it's so blatantly obvious, like you cannot count 2 million votes in a 24-hour period? That's pathetic. That is a level of incompetence that is just, if that, if that is the level of competence 
with the counters of these votes and these machines, I say you skid the whole works of them and start over. Bring in a grade six class. They'll do better than that. Oh boy. Anyway, my friends, that's where we're going to end this one. So like always, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. It's Canadian Patriot Radio. Use the message button. Uh, thank you to all you guys that were checking in with me, uh, making sure that I was okay because I hadn't kicked out an episode for quite a while. Uh, very much appreciated. Thanks for thanks for checking in on me, guys. Uh, just just a busy guy. Trying to get, trying to get back in here more frequently. <clears throat> Hopefully... Once the transition of seasons uh, is finally done, I can kind of get more regular here. So, um, if you prefer email, it's Canadian Patriot Radio at gmail.com. The Telegram room is t.me backslash CPR underscore two. I have to apologize to everybody in that room. I have been kind of non existent, uh, but <clears throat> uh, I will try to up my presence in the uh, Telegram room. And then, if, um, if you wouldn't mind, check out the website, which is Canadian Patriot Radio.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in again, again, my friends. And until next time, in all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.